Hello and welcome to Theology Matters. This is Dr. John Clark. And today we want to continue our study on eternal security. And we have been looking at the confusion regarding the three tenses of salvation as a major reason that there's confusion on eternal security and a lack of assurance of salvation for many people. Again, the three tenses of our salvation being justification, sanctification, and glorification, each of those tenses reflecting a salvation or deliverance from an aspect of sin. You know, sin is is really the issue um, that God wants to save each one of us from. And so in justification, uh, it is salvation from the penalty of sin that's that was paid for in a one-time sacrifice by Jesus Christ because the wages or the penalty of sin was death. Jesus paid that penalty. And so the Bible states that when you or I put our faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work for us, we can be saved, past tense, done deal, from the penalty of sin. Why? Because Jesus paid the penalty in full. So there's nothing left. There'd be nothing left for us to pay, uh, even if we commit more sins after we get saved, because Jesus paid the penalty for all of our sins. Now, sanctification is salvation from the power of sin in our daily life. And we've uh, just made uh, the point or the distinction that uh, salvation from the power of sin in our daily life, this ongoing daily deliverance is different from salvation from the penalty of sin, which happened uh, through the work of Jesus Christ on one day in human history when he died for the sins of the world. He dies for our sins. So salvation from the power of sin uh, is really focused on God's way of delivering us from sin's power, which was through our death and our resurrection with Jesus Christ. That's how God affected that salvation. But we only benefit from that salvation through moment by moment, repeated responses of faith over time. And so that's different than justification. And so that's why we can say not only in justification, I have been saved, We can say in sanctification, I am being saved right now. That's a present tense deliverance that God wants every believer to experience. And then we've also got glorification, which is salvation from the very presence of sin in the future. And we looked at Romans 8, 28 through 30 last week. We noticed that the two aspects of our salvation, which are completely guaranteed um, on and on moment of time, faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ is justification and glorification. Sanctification is not mentioned in Romans 8, 28 through 30 as a guaranteed salvation that every believer will experience. Why? Because it requires ongoing, repeated responses of faith from the believer. And we're just inconsistent in doing that 100% of the time. And so there's a very common misunderstanding as it relates to (laughs) eternal security. And um, this is Uh, this misunderstanding of the three tenses of salvation is often why many people believe you can lose your salvation. Some of these reasons are as follows. Some people attempt to bring over sanctification truth and make it a requirement for obtaining justification. Remember, the issue in justification is a debt. It's a bill. It's an invoice. This is the whole reason for the death of Jesus Christ. It was to pay this debt in full. And so if we want to talk about how someone must go on living in a certain way and how if if they fail being delivered from the power of sin, then somehow that affects 
the the payment for the penalty of sin it, it's just total it's two totally distinct and separate salvations there in terms of the referring to the aspect and so some take try to take sanctification truth and then make it a requirement for obtaining justification and you just can't do that because justification took care of a debt and that happened at a moment in time when Christ died for your sins and rose again and also that moment in time where you trusted in his finished work for you. Another reason that people get confused is some equate salvation from the power of sin to salvation from the penalty of sin. They try to make the same the this they try to make those two the same thing. Some will say if you're truly saved, you'll you'll no longer struggle with the same sins you struggled with before you were saved. And you see they'll they'll try to equate again salvation from the power of sin with salvation from the penalty of sin. And we're talking about two different aspects there. One that's uh, happened at a moment in time when the debt was completely paid. One happens in repeated responses of faith over time as the believer is moment by moment delivered from sin's influence in their daily life. And those are two different aspects of salvation that we're talking about. Thirdly, some attempt to make synonymous a one-time deliverance through payment for sin's penalty with an ongoing deliverance through divine resources from sin's power. And see, this is why we should have a high value for the finished work of Christ, because if his work truly paid the penalty in full, then the penalty for sin is no longer on the table. The penalty of sin is, is out of our vocabulary in the sense of it ever being brought up against us again, because that penalty has been paid. And so we've got to understand that these types of misunderstandings have consequences. In fact, confusion surrounding the three tenses of salvation leads to many false response cliches to the gospel, which then leads to a misunderstanding of eternal security. And I want to look at about three cliches specifically, although we could probably lump much more um, into this. But one of the very, very strong, uh, often used cliches in our days is make Jesus Lord of your life. Or, um, you know, someone might say, well, if he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. Maybe you've heard some of those terms thrown around or that, um, you know, people will say, well, you need to make Jesus not only your savior, but your Lord. And this is all kind of comes under the category or the heading of Lordship salvation. And what they typically mean by that is in order to be saved, you must allow Jesus to have mastery over your life. Now, what's the problem? The problem with this in terms of making it a requirement for justification is this is really a a sanctification truth Um, because the, the Bible does clearly teach that God would have believers living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ as they live their Christian life. But this is a sanctification truth that's going to require ongoing responses of faith to be delivered from the power of sin. Again, not delivered from the penalty of sin. This is so important to understand. In fact, biblically, I would not even use this terminology. I would never say make Jesus the Lord of your life. That doesn't even, that's not even really biblical. I know what people are trying to get at when they use that terminology, but why not use the biblical terminology, which is found in Romans 6, 11 through 22, which is basically this. Do not 
go on presenting yourselves to the sin or the sin nature, but rather present your members to God as instruments of righteousness, because whomever you present yourselves to, you will be its slave. Do we want sin and sin's power mastering us, influencing us, controlling us? Or do we want the Lord Jesus and the life, his life produced by the Spirit, influencing and controlling us? And this is the whole point of sanctification. This is the whole point of being delivered from the power of sin. This has nothing to do with being delivered from the penalty of sin. Again, the wages of sin was death, not living a good Christian life. The wages of sin was death, is death. Jesus died for you. So we don't want to take sanctification truth and cram it into justification truth. And yet this is one of the cliches that does just that. Another false cliche that has lots of misunderstanding and consequences is the phrase repent from or of or turn from your sins. And, you know, the word repent, according to these people, when they say that, they mean that you must desire to sin less and you must follow through with actions showing your sincerity to do so. So when they say repent, they mean you've got to turn away from sins. You've got to sin less today than you did yesterday. And if you don't, then you're probably not saved or you've you've probably lost your salvation if you haven't completely turned from sin. And so there's a lot, honestly, that's problematic with this terminology. I've kind of gone over that in some previous podcasts, but um, or previous sessions, but what's problematic with this terminology at face value is, is sinning less and growing in holiness is a sanctification truth anyways. And again, it requires ongoing responses of faith to be delivered from the power of sin. Again, we're not talking about being delivered from the penalty of sin. Death by our substitute took care of the penalty of sin. Now we're talking about ongoing responses of faith to be delivered from the power of sin. And so sinning less, growing in holiness, which is, which is what this turning from sin is trying to reflect, that's a sanctification truth. It's not a justification truth. In fact, imagine just this nonsensical comment. Uh, if I was to tell somebody this, which is really the the nonsense of, of saying that we have to turn from our sins in order to be saved, Imagine this comment, although all of your sins, past, present, and future, and their penalty has been paid for in full, if you continue to commit sins in the future, the ones that have already been paid for, then you will have to pay the penalty, the penalty that has already been paid for. Now, that makes zero sense, and yet that's what this cliche implies, is that if you don't turn from the sins that have, whose penalty has already been paid for, then you can face that penalty. And it doesn't make sense. In fact, I might ask it this way. Do you have to turn from your sins in order to pay sin's penalty? Or do you have to trust in the Savior who paid your penalty by dying in your place for all of your sins? In fact, would this same mindset work in a court of law? Um, Judge, I've killed someone, but I promise to turn from that sin and never do it again. Would this person be released without having to pay a penalty? Of course not. It's not It's not about turning from your sins. It's about justice being had for the crimes or the sins that we've already committed. And thus, when we have a substitute willing to pay that penalty for us in our place, then we never have to face that penalty. And so bringing up this ongoing aspect of sinning less 
and growing in holiness is not a justification truth. It is a sanctification truth. And so this is something that happens over a process of time, not at a moment in time. This, again, should show us and clue us in on the fact that we're dealing in the realm of sanctification and not justification. There's one other misunderstanding I want to address that comes from the confusion of the three tenses, and that is uh, many people will say that in order to, to be saved, in order to be delivered from the penalty of sin, they'll say you have to confess all your sins. And typically what they mean is that you have to name all of your sins or be very sorry for all of your sins, typically including uh, an apology for doing them in the first place, and then typically a promise to try to stop doing them in the future. And many people will take confession uh, and try to make that as a prerequisite for being saved from the penalty of sin. Uh, Once again, when you consider the context of 1 John 1, 9, which is where we talk about confession and where confession is mentioned, um, we're going to notice that this passage is for those who are already believers in Jesus Christ, not unbelievers who need to be saved. This is not a salvation from the penalty of sin passage. It's not a justification passage. It's a sanctification passage because the context of 1 John, again, is not a salvation from the penalty of sin uh, context. It's rather enjoyment of fellowship. This is sanctification, fellowship with the Lord during this life. In fact, being in fellowship with someone, when we talk about even just in human relationships, it doesn't describe uh, a one and done event, but rather it describes something that occurs over time as in a process. And again, it's this time element that fits better with sanctification than it does justification. Again, also just using the court of um you know, the court of law approach would this work? Um, judge, I was wrong when I killed that person. Oh, okay, can I go? No, I mean that person would not be released, even if they confessed, said the same thing uh, about their crime. And so you can see that a misunderstanding of eternal security has consequences, and many people try to uh, adjust their message to avoid, um, you know, people in in their mind who are not delivered from the power of sin, believers who live carnally, and they, they try to come back into their justification and make it harder uh, for people to say, oh, I can get saved from the penalty of sin and live carnally, and yet it creates more confusion, especially in the area of eternal security, because now it's taking deliverance from the power of sin and trying to make it equivalent from uh, with deliverance from the penalty of sin. 